Hello and welcome to the Living Room Film Festival podcast, the companion piece to the film festival that occurs every week in your living room. The companion piece? Yeah, the, the podcast. Yeah, like that's the whole thing, though. How do you mean? No, the, 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 the whole thing is the experience of watching films with you and yours. Oh, oh, we're supposed to actually watch the movies? Yeah, wait, what? I thought people just listen to the podcast on their way to work. They do. And that programs the film. You see? It I've, programs I've, the film festival. I've derailed you within a, then, an no, under no, no. 30 seconds. <laughs> no, no, no. You're right. You're right. I'm wasting my time. <laughs> no. Uh, my name is Joe Hartenstein. I'm Eric Peterson. And? I'm Chuck Cotterman. And we are going to bring you films related to, or inspired by, to us, War for the Planet of the Apes. This is our first podcast with three people. This is our first one. Three people. Very exciting. Three people, two microphones. Very exciting. <laughs> I saw that video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was horrifying. Yeah. Um, we won't be releasing the footage of today's episode. No, yeah, unfortunately not. Um, it is for the best. It will be in my vault for the next 10 years, at which point I will release it only on DVD for okay. six months. <laughs> <laughs> Good. It'll be Good. Uh, like uh, the day the clown cried. It'll be 10 years after you pass away. It will be allowed to be released. What's that? And What's the day the clown cried? The day the clown cried is a Jerry Lewis film. Oh, I... the Jerry Lewis Nazi movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. you could call it that. Okay. Uh, I believe... Very up subject. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, we're talking about war, and. Uh, mm-hmm. the, yeah, it all ties the, in very the, nicely. <laughs> that little Jerry Lewis Nazi the, movie segue. The Nazis certainly knew how to do war. Um, yeah, and so it's a, a film about uh, a clown that entertains children before they go to the gas chambers. That was it's very cheery. Yeah, yeah. It's excellent. It's, it, well, I mean, it's brought to you by one of the foremost minds of comedy. What's stranger is Jerry Lewis doesn't play the clown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Plays one of the children. What classic Jerry Lewis songs are in that one? I don't. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know because it's not—it's never been released. You see, uh, I believe it was filmed in 1972. I'd have to double check that, but um, so way late, you know, <laughs> as far as reactions to, which it mm-hmm. definitely is. It's—it's it's like an emotional reaction to the Holocaust. Uh, there are, of course, World War II movies that come out all the time, but not as many that deal with. The real, the, the raw emotion. Most of them deal with the, the war. war aspect. Right, right. They're mostly, <laughs> it's actually action movies for the most part. Yeah, yeah, for uh, the most And part. heroes and stuff for the most, yeah, anyways. Okay, so as, as a person not familiar with the podcast structure, have you watched the trailer already? Because I haven't even got that far. Oh, yeah, no, I've watched. Okay. Uh, we're I've well watched prepared. The, I've Chuck watched is the a trailer little... for War for the Planet of the Apes. So what we're going to do is we're going to put you in our soundproof booth. <laughs> Smart one, isn't he? What are you gonna name him? Do they look like just apes to you? He saved our lives. He was remarkable. Apes, apes, together! Strong, strong! You're him. You 
Caesar. We've been searching for you for so long. I do not start this war. I fight only to protect apes. Human gets sick. Ape gets smart. Then human kill ape. But not me. I run. when it is necessary to abandon our humanity to save humanity. Eventually, you'd replace us. That's the law of nature. So what would you have done? What did the humans promise you? No matter what you do, you'll never be one of them. You are a We are the beginning! Apes together! Strong! Have you come to save your apes? So, Chuck, that is what the trailer for War for the Planet of the Apes looks like. That, that, was, a, uh, that was a shit show. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, that was... on. Uh, okay, well, I'm, I'm just going to let you go ahead. Oh, go no, ahead. absolutely. Uh, I do want to say, though, that if this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, welcome. You know, thank you for listening. Thank you for inviting us into your brain. And into your home. Thank you to, for inviting me into your podcast to be into the people's brain. The there you go. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, this will be the last uh, last episode. Uh, yeah. So it, it, we haven't seen War for the Planet of the Apes. We don't know if it'll be any good. Um, it's maybe. not out yet. That's right. Yeah. That's why we haven't seen it. We're not press, and it's not out yet. So we don't know. Uh, but we have seen a couple of other films that it did remind us of, and so we'd like to recommend those films to you. If you decide that you want to sit at home, uh, watch those movies, and wait for the lines to die down for War for the Planet of the Apes, if you decide that you'd rather just stay home and, and chill out, wait for it on home Are there going to be lines? Lines? Lines for War of the Planet of the Apes? How long are you going to have to wait, really, yeah. before those lines calm down? Yeah. Well, you never know. It, it, because this is a movie that humans and apes are both going to want to see. That's true. <laughs> you know? It's a big double market, huge demographic. Yeah, and so that's what studios are doing these days. Yeah, not just an end of a trilogy. Not just the end of a trilogy, but they've opened it up to all simian and sapien kind. That's right. I can see this having showings at zoos. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Movies in the park will be a disaster. <laughs> Absolutely. Big right. Absolutely. So uh, I, I'll go ahead and go first. Uh, one of the films that it reminded me of, and, and it did, actually. The trailer reminded me of several films. Uh, but one that I think 
that I'm going to recommend is First Blood, which Rambo. Yeah, exactly. Which is the first, yep, first the appearance of, of the John movie, Rambo. The name of the movie is First Blood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, in case there's anyone that doesn't know, yep. the second one is called Rainbow, Rambo first colon Blood, First Blood Part Two. two. Yeah, exactly. There, it's a very strange naming convention. Yeah, that, I, it's really hard to figure out. Was Rambo a novel? It was, yep. Okay. Rambo was a novel first. I will admit that I haven't read the novel, so I couldn't tell you. It's in the spirit of the show. It's in the spirit of the show. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Go in our soundproof booth and read the novel, okay. First we'll Blood. be right back. Uh, that was uh, a good novel. How <laughs> was it? I mean, did you enjoy it? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to jump in and oh, say, please. I thought, uh, in a, I'm not sure if I can recommend this, but a movie that really reminded me of, especially Woody Harrelson, was Reign of Fire. Okay. Um, with is that a dragon movie? The dragon it movie. Is. Yeah, with yeah. an extremely over-the-top Matthew McConaughey. And Christian Bale. And Christian yeah. Bale. But specifically that Matthew McConaughey jumping on tanks, yelling at dragons thing is, oh. is a lot like the Woody Harrelson screaming at uh, monkeys. Okay. Uh, yeah. Feel, it, it's definitely an unhinged performance by Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. <laughs> to be polite about it. Yeah. Um, I wanted, I didn't know what to do because like, it's a big war movie and eventually I was just like, it's hard to glean kind of how the war is going to happen from the trailer. So I, but I was stuck in the jungle. Listen, the results, the title itself is a spoiler, right? Yeah. I mean, the results of the war. Yeah. We know. I mean, that's the thing with all of these movies. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be so bold if, like, surprise twist, humans win. I think that that would be bold. It just takes a whole new turn. They don't do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and make a production, uh, pr- production prediction okay. that the child, uh, the little blonde child that we see, becomes the sort of progenitor of all of the humans that are enslaved. What is that In word the mean? Heston. The progenitor? I don't know that word. The, the first. The first. Overall parent, oh, like yeah. The, yeah. yeah, of generations. Yeah. Um, but the yeah. uh, she's it's like a John Connor for the new. No, she's going to be the like the what ends up becoming the slave class in the Heston films. Okay. Because Heston oh, does meet humans that are basically used as like cattle and butlers. Right. Exactly. So that's I think the whole idea is that they're really trying hard to get these elements from the old school Heston productions into oh, yeah. the idea and like thread it, but it's just so it feel the whole thing feels very ham fisted. That's why I think I, I really go with Reign of Fire, especially with Matthew McConaughey's performance, because that Woody Harrelson screaming thing, it's that no that notably high actor suddenly given the part to scream as if he's a military veteran, which never sure. truly makes sense. Yeah, right. He doesn't fit the type for sure. Yeah, and Woody Woody Harrelson in this movie looks like I don't really know. He I can't tell if he thinks it's a joke or if that's like actually supposed to be intense. Maybe it is intense. I think out of context uh, yeah. sounds kind of silly. Mm-hmm. No, I think that Woody Harrelson is probably having a great time. You know. Yeah, that's probably true. And I like Woody, so like I'm down with a phoned-in War of the Planet of the Apes performance. Yeah. Uh, actually, have you guys have either of you seen the Now You See Me movies? I've seen the first one. Okay, so the second one is really, when you're talking over-the-top Woody Harrelson, he plays his own effeminate twin. 
Okay. He, so he, sort of a Jack and Jill. Very <laughs> well. It's yeah. It's very much like it's um. You know the new Despicable Me trailer that's for with the, we did it last week. Okay, you did yep. that last week. So that's that setup with the like the ones in black and ones in white. One has the weird long hair. Woody Harrelson does virtually that exact twin back and okay. forth, and now you see me too. Both movies are very bad. <laughs> they are extremely bad. But the now you see movies. One thing that you can tell is that the whole time, at least Woody Harrelson is having a ton of fun getting paid. And I feel like that's sort of his latter career, for the most yeah, part. It, exactly. You know, he's doing, um, you know, the uh, Hunger Games movies, and uh, which it looks like the same character from the Hunger Games movies in this. <laughs> okay, just with a shaved head. Just with a shaved head. Yeah. He's just like very kind of disenfranchised with it. Like it's gonna be really shitty for you. Yeah. Everything's bad. Right. I know that we're gonna die. Your friends are gonna die. Kind of the same thing. Yeah. Why don't you tell us about First Blood? Okay, so First Blood uh, is a movie uh, directed by Ted Kotcheff uh, and starring Sylvester Stallone. Starring and written by uh, Sylvester Stallone. Now, something that I think is interesting about the character of John Rambo, just to give those of you who haven't seen it a little bit of background uh, about the movie... What it is is John Rambo is a special forces, you know, soldier who was in Vietnam and comes back to America. And in the beginning of the film, we basically see him living as a a drifter, you know, drifting from town to town. And uh, something that I think is really interesting about the character of John Rambo and about Sylvester Stallone is that, and it's it's kind of true of Rocky too, uh, Rocky as well. Like he wrote this character early in his career, but doesn't understand the character that he wrote. <laughs> uh, and go on, go on. Wait, how do you mean? Okay, well my evidence. For in in terms of Rambo, my evidence for this is the rest of the Rambo franchise, um, because in First Blood, Rambo is very reluctant to fight. You know, he yeah he he is shut down emotionally. He does he wants to be left alone. You know, and uh, these cops, Brian Dennehy, is like the sheriff of the town. Uh, basically, basically mess with him, and he doesn't care to be messed with, so he retaliates. Uh, in subsequent Rambo films, Rambo looks for fights and glorifies the fights and the struggles in which he takes part. Now, he does still tend to defend, although we could talk about the Mujahideen, a little bit. <laughs> uh, he tends to defend, you know, people who are oppressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's typical American army good guy. Exactly, yeah, un- underdog, you know, kind of thing. Just, just like Rocky. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an underdog story. Uh, but he does so through glorifying violence. It's the same thing, in my opinion, uh, that Mel Gibson does in his movies. Like, he... He claims to be anti 
violence. Like, As a person or his characters? H- Hacksaw Ridge, uh, you know, uh, so in Hacksaw Ridge. Right, the, the fellow with a, with, that would shoot no bullets. Conscientious objector, uh-huh. yeah, to, to the war. Uh, Andrew Garfield plays him. He was a Seventh-day Adventist, and so he wouldn't touch a weapon, and that's what this whole... It's a biopic about this person. Right. I'm sorry, I forget his name at the moment. But that's not the point. <laughs> you know, his name is not really the point. The point is that here's this character who's a conscientious objector who does not... who abhors violence. And his biopic is a movie that, although it shows that the effects of violent war are disastrous... The, the depictions of that violence are kind of beautiful and balletic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a real problem. I, I think that in a way... Well, are they trying to glorify it or are they like just get caught up making beautiful you know, action sequences and things that look cool? I don't know. So to, to contrast that then with a movie that... I don't think glorifies violence so much as displays it pretty realistically. Saving Private Ryan is always a good war movie to go back to because it's sort of a standard bearer. Um, Yeah. But there's one where it's just, uh, it's terrible. Every scene where a bullet's fired and someone's hit, it's done in a way that's not just saddening because the characters, but also horrifying because of the finality of what's gone on. You know, the uh, Vin Vin Diesel's death scene is probably his best acting he's ever done to this date. <laughs> he's great in it. And he's great. He's yeah. absolutely great in I, it. But I, in... I would disagree only to say that uh, The Iron Giant is his best Okay, that's fair. That's fair. But that's, that's just me. That's just my opinion. No, that is fair. Um, the, but... Oh, Giovanni Rabisi's death. In, yeah, that's in, in, oh, hard Ryan. to watch. That's a difficult moment to watch. Absolutely. Um, so there's, and, uh, but I agree that the, the sense of beauty and violence is taken through these movies a lot, even the ones that are trying to get across that message, whereas you have it in uh, Saving Private Ryan. It's mm-hmm. horror. Uh, I think that when you come back to this trailer, you see all these slow motion shots and a lot of these special effect shots, and because we have the subjects of the death being monkeys, oh, right. there's going to be a lot of that operatic, mm-hmm. ballet-like death, and like that's something that when you look at the first blood uh formula and then on to the rest of the series mm-hmm. you see that changeover in popular culture to kind of be like well we like seeing this rather than fighting against it I can definitely foresee like an explosion goes off and they kind of cut to an angle and like you see some monkeys just flying through the air like a grenade that has tossed some guys and you know that's like gonna be in slow motion right. ridiculous yeah. uh, and that's the kind of thing that if I were watching in the theater would make me burst out loud laughing Right. At um, times that probably makes it better that I'm not going to go see this. Uh, I'm not going to brave the lines. You're, you're not going to rush out no. to see it. Yeah. I'm going to wait. I understand. For some. See, okay, fair. Thank you. Yeah. You're, hey, you're already in your living room. You just wait for the movie to come to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Let me pose a question to you, Joe. Did you see the modern reboot of Rambo? The most. John Rambo. John Rambo. Did you see Burma's that? Burma's a war zone. That one? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, and so I, I didn't either. I'm not. I'm, I'd be curious to see if that goes backwards to the first blood formula of trying to abhor violence, or if it's. No. You know, it, I'm uh, sure it, it doesn't. It, it, it doesn't. The things that I've read about it, although I will admit that I haven't seen it, the things that I've read about it and the um, body count, you know, uh-huh. stuff that I've read about it, uh, sound really. And as, as a matter of fact, 
I will say that in a post hotshots world, <laughs> which we're all which we're all living, we're all living in, in. We're all living every in day. Hotshots world. Yeah. <laughs> I almost wanted to recommend Hot Shots based on this. In a post Hot Shots world, some of the shots from the trailer of that latest Rambo film are comical. Oh yeah. In in the way that they depict the violence, which is is terrible, <laughs> you know, that you you, you yeah, think of it as comical. It's pure silliness. It's like, way and over like, the top. And First Blood is not, and it's about no. like uh, it's about a character. And, and then the rest are about explosions and, you know, chain guns. Right. And so, and that's why I say that I feel that Sylvester Stallone doesn't understand the character of John Rambo. I, I could be wrong. And Sylvester Stallone's opinions could have changed over time. You know, it's just like, uh, it's just like Born in the USA. The biopic Springsteen. where Springsteen song. Stallone plays... Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Plays the boss? Yep. When uh, is that movie coming? It has to happen. Well, you know what? The, the movie, the Stallone, Stallone-centric movie rumor that has persisted for 30 years has no. been. I want to hear. Okay. Apparently this, this part. Godfather reboot? No. Apparently this part is true. Because, you know, he, he claims that before he sold Rocky, he wrote 70 feature-length screenplays. He says... That's most intense. Of, he says most of them are terrible. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. They you know? Yeah. And, uh, but he says... Uh, and I don't know if this is pre-Rocky that he wrote it, but he, he, he continued to write, and apparently he wrote a biopic for Edgar Allan Poe <laughs> that is incredible. Like, really? People have read it and said... That this script is great. Why is that not made? I, that sounds I like can Oscar bait. Exactly why. Shocking. Joe very aggressively leaned over the table as he said that. I can tell you exactly. It's because, and again, this this part of it, it you know, I guess it's all rumor <laughs> and conjecture. But what I have heard is that he has insisted. That he on will playing play, Poe. Yeah. Standard Stallone. That he will play Poe. Yeah, exactly. And so that leads that lends credence to that rumor. Yeah. That's, uh, that sounds like Sylvester Stallone. That's... And that is ridiculous. Let it go, Sly. He's got to be what? Six, he's got to be in his mid-late 60s. I, I'll tell you what. And now even my suggestion... Has started to age out of the role, but what I had said was a couple years even before his renaissance, I was saying they should get Robert Downey Jr. to play Poe. That's great. Before his renaissance. Yes. Now that he's played Sherlock Holmes, uh, and you've sort of seen where I that know. can go, it's tough. Uh, I I sort of. Sometimes I bemoan the quick fame of Robert Downey Jr. because he was put in so many parts that he probably wasn't ready to do very quickly. Yeah. And those those Sherlock Holmes movies are are candy fun, but the fact that the you had the Benedict Cumberbatch BBC series being right. released at the same time just made them into jokes. And I believe okay, yeah. we have uh, Eric looking it up. Oh yeah, Edgar Allan Poe died at forty years old, and Stallone is seventy. Right. Stallone is 70. Right. So he's, he's lost his chance. Let it go, Sly. Or, you know, I mean, if you feel that you can't let it go, 
write us and we'll talk talk about it write us yeah we're interested in why you're holding out exactly this year's 71th 71th. 71? 71st. Are you J.R.R. Tolkien? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I am. my 71th birthday. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, don't write us, Hobbit fans. We know that's not how they say it. Or maybe it is. I don't know. I know it's 11-1st. Yeah, right. Thanks for trying to make that better. Yeah, <laughs> I do my best. Um, yeah, so I, I, anything else on First Blood? Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, oh my yes <laughs> right oh so uh, excuse me so that's what I was going to say uh, about uh, Born in the USA right if you listen to that the, the first cut of Born in the USA it's slower it's uh, more sullen you know and if you listen to or if you look at the lyrics it's a bummer <laughs> right Totally, oh. totally. It's a common joke among politics. Like that's why every time a right. every time a right wing person uses "born in the USA," they're right. not. They're just owning themselves all over the place. Right, but is but he, but Springsteen himself recorded a, another version of "Born in the USA," the one that most people use and the one that everybody heard on the radio, which is a lot more upbeat and, in my opinion, kind of glosses over the lyrics. Of his own song, and yes, exactly, it's used in political rallies uh, for hawkish, you know, types. Uh, it's just because everybody listens to "Born in the USA" and then nothing else. Nothing else. So, right. in summary, you think that much like Stallone, that's the way Bruce Springsteen does not understand his own song. I think that I don't. I don't feel that way about Springsteen. <laughs> right us. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I think that. Other people don't understand, you know, sure. that, that song. Sure. And so that, that's just the comparison, the example that I, uh, that I was using. But uh, Richard Crenna is also in First Blood. He has a great performance as uh, Stallone's commanding, former mm-hmm. commanding officer, mm-hmm. who's the only one that uh, he will kind of listen to. And so uh, John Rambo is, uh, he clearly suffers from what we now call PTSD. And uh, he is very introverted. And I really think that the point of First Blood is to make us think about those, those men that came back and how they weren't treated well when they were over there, or they were in the public eye. Right. You know, it was an unfavorable war, and so they weren't treated well when they were over there. Whatever happened, happened. And... They came back, and people resented those soldiers. And, and some, right, right, yeah. People resented obviously. those soldiers and attacked them, vilified them, and all of that. I think is what you're supposed to be thinking about when you watch First Blood. I agree. Yeah, it's it's showing the veteran is the mistreated, sympathetic he's character. The he's got yeah. He's put in a position that's not his fault, he hasn't done anything wrong, right. and is continually and then it escalates around him with him trying very hard to make it not yeah. uh, make it not happen. Right. Uh, it's a wonderful movie. I, I definitely recommend it, you know, to all our viewers out there. If you haven't seen First Blood, you should definitely catch up with that one. And you think, stark contrast from the other Rambos. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Which I are think that starting shoot with, up. with uh Rambo 2, which is rumored to have been directed by 
Sly himself. It, it was directed on paper by George P. Cosmatos, who's a Greek director. I got it. I know he's Greek. You yeah, can, yeah, right? I can hear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but he has actually... Cosmatos has made a couple films that the rumor is he was not the actual director. Like, he's the guy that you hire when he's you... He's just a shill. He's a film beard. A proxy, basically. Uh, I don't know if that's true, and he's passed away, so he can't write us, unfortunately. But, um, but someone can under his name if they oh, want to. That's a good point. That is a good point. We should, we should throw that out there a little bit more often. Yeah. Please write us under the name. Uh, under someone else's name, George yeah. Cosmatos. Yeah. George Cosmatos. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so uh, you're starting with, with that second one, it, it takes a real turn in terms of how it depicts violence. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Chuck, you want to... I think oh, we're a little short on time. Oh, um, no, no, no. Not like we're short on time, right. but probably less time on the next two films than we spent on First Blood. Although we did five minutes on Woody Harrelson yeah, jammed please, in there. Please talk your movie. Yeah, we've said so much about Rain of Fire and Woody Harrelson. <laughs> I don't think much more needs to be said uh, about the Dragon movie. Is it good? No. <laughs> um, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what's worse than R- Rain of Fire as a movie is Rain of Fire as a video game, which was somehow even worse. Like when you play the game, you go what? back and watch the movie and you think to yourself, why couldn't they translate some of this into the game? <laughs> they missed the heart. With, yeah, they missed. They didn't, they, and then you go back and you watch the movie all the way through a second time. And you're like, oh, because it's not. There's nothing. There. Maybe it was a Super Mario 2 situation. Uh, it's it's very possible that, that was a Super Mario 2 situation. Just yeah. sort of put the Reign of Fire skin over yeah. top of some other game. Well, no, that Super Mario 2 was originally an adaptation of Reign of Fire. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Entirely possible. No, no, don't write us. Doki Doki Panic. You haven't heard that, Chuck? <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard that. Doki Doki um, Panic is the original. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which stands for? Stands for, translates to, I'm losing it. Bad no performance. Idea. Tell us, tell us what you got, Eric. What okay. would you be recommending? Um, I got caught up in jungle warfare, um, and it seems like I, I think you, I you personally. Yeah, that's why it was so difficult to choose a film okay. that I wanted to review. And it's probably hard to get Wi-Fi. Uh, surprisingly, not. <laughs> they, they build those towers everywhere. Um, I think I focused on the same part of the trailer that you did um, because it's kind of like right around when you started bursting out laughing when we watched the trailer. Um, and it's the ape saying, I didn't start this war, but I'm going to stop it. So I, just the feel of that is what led me to go with, I wanted to go with Commando. Mm-hmm. Schwarzenegger's Caesar, Commando. by the way, Caesar is the ape. Yeah, yes. little Caesar. Yep. No, well. <laughs> he was little originally. Uh-huh. I've seen it. Um, I've seen a movie. I've seen a movie with an ape. Um, Predator. Oh, I was gonna go with Commando, but um, I couldn't. You chickened out. I chickened out. I did, yeah, no. I didn't have the balls to go Commando. Okay, that fair enough. Was a pun I didn't like that I made or mean to. Yeah. Um, but Predator is if you have not seen Predator, mm-hmm. it's 1987 movie uh, directed by John McTiernan, who uh, actually former Save from a Fire yes. uh, contestant. 
Yeah. Subject. <laughs> Subject. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, John McTiernan, who's director of uh, Die Hard, some other really great movies. Yeah. Um, 1987's Predator, which is of course the story of um, Dutch, and which is just an. A, there's not a lot of plot happening in Predator. Right. There's no. some kind of jungle in Asia. Mm-hmm. And Schwarzenegger's called in as an elite group of commandos to go research some missing U.S. troops. Uh, mm-hmm. They find them skinned in a tree, and they see immediately they're dealing with something they don't really know what they're dealing with. So it's a family film. So, yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> I've seen it with my mom. There you go. Okay. My mom's a big John McTiernan fan. Yeah. I mean, hey, we here at the Living Room Film Festival podcast love John McTiernan. He's great. Yeah. Anyways, they, uh, they're dealing with not human enemy. Uh-huh. Um, was one of the parallels that I drew to the film. Yep. War Definitely. for the Planet of the Apes. Um, mm-hmm. And then kind of just chaos ensues. There's a little bit of a mission that is vague. And, like, I've seen it, and I could give the details, but it's really not important. Right. I, and I've seen Predator, like, 30 times. I love it. It's absolutely and, great. And, and for those uh, of us that are listening to the show that haven't seen it, you know, it's certainly good to uh, not reveal everything yeah. about the... Yeah, absolutely. Let, we we let don't need to go come sh- to it. shot for shot. But it proceeds to kind of lay out in exactly what we're talking about. I wouldn't say fluff action sequences. Right. Um, and if they're silly, it's because of their intensity. Right, yeah. They, they, it is a very exciting film. Yeah, and with a lot of suspense and short action mm-hmm. bursts. That it... it Kind of resembles a horror movie in a lot of ways, yeah. Uh, in that you don't really know what you're dealing with with the enemy. This is right. Predator yeah. is so well established now that you know right. the character and what he can do. But pr- th- there wasn't like a campaign to explain what the Predator was before the movie came out. No, and there is, you know, it, it's definitely a situation where our main characters are being stalked through the jungle, and then there's a reveal shot of what it is that's that's stalking them and so i mean uh, obviously there's a reason that the predator franchise and the alien franchise have been tied together for so long because they're aliens because of the horror kind of aspect of the, oh exactly yeah. what i just said yeah exactly got it the horror action aspect yeah and they they kind of do the same thing for you uh, for me, anyways, in a slightly different way. But um, yeah. some of the best action sequences ever. Some wow, I love it. I mean, like that's it, a bold. Yeah, story. maybe okay, maybe not action sequences. Yeah, but like whatever. I don't really know how to describe them. At the end, it's mano a mano. Yep. Schwarzenegger versus the Predator for right. a good twenty minutes. It it's very compelling. It's very compelling stuff. Would you say that probably, I would say best action, some of the best action set pieces. Maybe. Just in general, just like maybe not scenes, but setups and conflicts in yep. terms of action. But because that's almost mostly what Predator what was. What the movie is. Yep. And yep. as you said, pretty thin on plot. Yeah. Um, we haven't, uh, it's almost the only thing that we've gotten in the last five, ten years that's like truly like that is something like The Expendables Oh yeah, as sad as I want to say it, like the Fast and the Furious. No, I, sort I mean, of right. pure crap. Uh, <laughs> it's been boiled down, reduced. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, you know, and, and and so Stallone, to go back to Stallone, he knows how to do that, like, 80s action thing. Oh, Dredd, Judge Dredd, the original Judge Dredd. Okay. Um, <clears throat> go that, on. <laughs> Costume that, designed by Giorgio Armani. Oh, jeez. That movie is sort of the pinnacle of understanding without understanding yeah in terms of Stallone like adapting something because there's so much about that character that of duh Sylvester Stallone under that mask that's just a no-brainer and then at the same time there's so many missteps and like the the tone of the comics versus the tone of the movie and then you get to the more modern incarnations that's the joke that that's the real big joke of Judge Dredd because the comics, uh, in the com in the 2080 comics, the the Judge Dredd character is a parody of Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. And then you're having, or uh, you know, you could make the argument for Clint Eastwood too, but you, that kind of lone wolf action star is exactly what 2080 is parodying with the comics, and so to have. Stallone play him and then to play him so off tone <laughs> to, to the comics character is the joke. It's so easy too to get that movie in your head mixed up with some moments of from Demolition Man. Oh. Because <laughs> right. that same that same like Stallone going through the comedy action steps, which is yeah. just with Rob Schneider. With <laughs> And I wanna throw this out there. Um don't forget about the connection between Demolition Man and um, what were we just talking about? Reign of Fire and Judge Dredd with all being movies with terrible video games. Oh, <laughs> terrible video games. Okay. Demolition Man and Judge Dredd, both awful. Wow. I don't think I've ever played yeah. either, any of those, actually. Genesis era. I haven't played Reign of Fire, but I definitely... It's PlayStation 2 era, and it's okay. truly bad. Truly bad. As bad as the film. That's what they put on the cover of the box. (laughs) Right on there, yeah. As bad as the film. And oddly sold a million copies. One of the highest selling video games of all time. If that's not true, makers of Reign of Fire, go ahead and write us. Write us. Write us, please. Write us. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, those are definitely films that you should see. You should see Predator. You should definitely see Predator. You You should definitely see First Blood. Yeah, are we recommending Rain of Fire? I'm. I think you should see it purely for the. It's. It's just a great example of the terrible tone of that genre. So yeah, go for okay. it. Okay. What genre specifically yeah. is Rain of Fire? The post-apocalyptic right. landscape taken over by mythical creatures that you have no possible way of defending yourself against, but somehow bombs are okay. Nice. Okay. What else is in that? Eight-legged freaks. Uh, the Evolution. lost world. The second uh-huh. Jurassic Park movie, uh-huh. for sure. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, God, the, the, the Godzilla movies where they show the apocalyptic future, but also Terminator Genesis is a great... Not, sure. Is it Genesis? Yeah. Genesis, yeah. Which one was the awful one with... Uh, Christian Bale? Yes, that one. That was... Ooh. Salvation. That's yeah, salvation. That, that was salvation. That's yeah. a very good example of the same kind of thing, where then that poke, like that Mad Max landscape, but all of their enemies right. are just mindless, whatever. Mm-hmm. Computer bad pixels. Yeah, yeah. That's a good way of putting it. That's that's a shame. <laughs> well, the um, what's funny about Rain of Fire, you know, I'm just... what I will say about the end there, uh, or at the end here about Rain of Fire, is that it's the Planet of the Apes formula and fast forward. 
where you see Christian Bale as a child in the beginning. He actually is the one who ends up awakening the dragons or whatever. He's there when it happens. Then you have the the short narration over the time span, and then you're at the you know the humans are desperately fighting back to win their world. So you have that long Planet of the Apes plot. Uh, compressing about 25 minutes and if you really want a feeling of how to do that poorly <laughs> that's Ring of Fire <clears throat> okay that sounds good yes sounds, uh, really sounds appealing doesn't it yeah it makes me want to rush out to my couch and check that out for sure your local blockbuster everyone and now we're going to present to you a segment from the show called Saved from a Fire in this segment what we do is we take the work of a particular filmmaker and if they were all burning, all the works of this filmmaker, what is the one thing that we would save for, for humanity? That you would preserve for the rest of the world, your children and their children? Exactly, for all time. Uh-huh. Some tough choices have been made on this podcast already yes. in this segment. And yet no one's written us about it. No. None of the film creators, anyways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, however, this week we've selected Sylvester Stallone. He'll write us. Yes. Well, he's, he's a writer. Yeah, perfect. So he'll write us. And that's actually how we've selected Sylvester Stallone in this particular episode, is Sylvester Stallone the writer. So uh, not necessarily excluding the things that he's directed, the things that he's acted in, but uh, just for his writing only, what is the one film that we would save from a fire? There's a lot of good ones. He Well... There's a lot of ones you know. No, he's, he's, written, he's written good films. He's written good screenplays. He's written Academy Award-nominated screenplays. Like Rocky? Yep, exactly. Was First Blood pulling any Oscar odds? <laughs> a few. Any it, Oscar it got, nods? It got some pretty good Oscar odds. <laughs> <laughs> I got this Oscar odd award. Yeah. yeah, we didn't want to tell you about those. It's a knockoff. Yeah, so uh, I, for me, I think it has to be Rocky. You're just going straight for it. Yeah, because, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, Sylvester Stallone writes characters really well that, that are the underdog, and that is like the perfect underdog story. So much so that, spoilers for Rocky, he doesn't even win. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He doesn't even win at the end of Rocky, and we still love him just because he proved to himself that he could compete on that level with Apollo Creed, mm-hmm. you know, that, that here's this small-town guy, doesn't really know what to do with his life. He's an enforcer for the mob, <laughs> you know, when we first meet him, and falling in love gives his life direction. And what he decides he wants to do is to win a heavyweight championship. Like, you know, that's what I did last time I fell in love. Same, made the same choice right away. Heavyweight boxing championship? Yep, it didn't go very well at all. Yet. I met my girlfriend and I went to the, straight to the luge track, so I may be... <laughs> okay. I may be slightly different than the, uh, the Rocky crowd. How very European. Right, yeah, absolutely. And, and so... Yeah, he doesn't win, uh, but he, he is the perfect underdog. 
Mm-hmm. I think it's a wonderfully structured uh, screenplay. I think that it's got great dialogue. Um, and I, I think that it's made a great movie by some of the performances in it, uh, Stallone's included. Yeah. Definitely. I, I mean, I can't think of that movie without Carl Weathers. No, absolutely. Oh, yeah, no, of course, Carl Weathers for sure. So much charisma and... Yeah. A lot of crossovers today. Carl Weathers also exactly. in Predator. Yeah, well, yeah, without a doubt. Um, I think that you're probably right, but I want to make That's an fine. argument for Cliffhanger because if you want to ask what the person really is about... Mm-hmm. Like Rocky is obviously far better, but like I think that really what he's about is cliffhanger. Okay, you said that you want to make an argument, and uh, to you, I will ask this question: <laughs> How strenuous an argument do not you want to have? Not super strong. <laughs> okay. okay. Not super strong. <laughs> okay, fair. But enough. like, he's r- written a lot of cheesy action, mm-hmm. and cliffhanger is that to a T. Yeah. It is ridiculous. Right. Physically impossible stuff happening left and right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just like feats of strength that it's just like, yeah, but it's like, a, you know, you, you can't actually pull someone up hanging off a cliff right. off your fingertips. It's icy. It, it, it's just all over the place. But, like, it is good to watch. Yeah. Uh, or at least was yeah. in 1996 or whatever. And to drill down to a, to a screenplay 93. level. Yeah, 93. Uh, yes. Thank you. The internet will correct us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Write us. Yeah. Uh, to drill down to a, to a screenplay level, you have a character who is an expert in something, right? And so that's yeah. what makes him valuable to, to the story. But he's an underdog versus the mountain. Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Like Classic we all are. man versus nature. Yep. Classic. For sure. What about you, Chuck? What are you gonna run in bravely run into the inferno for? Uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go back and say First Blood as a screenplay nice. is really worth saving because as we noted bef- before that movie, violence is depicted differently, and after that movie, violence is depicted differently, and that might be the one time that Stallone really gets the character right. So the I think the the overall notion of the sequels definitely dilutes what First Blood does, but mm-hmm. if you sort of sever that and give give it what it is, yep. it is a great standalone. Whereas Rocky, as a series, I guess up until modern day, um, the, the, at least those first three Rocky movies are yep. just an iconic trilogy. Rambo is different in that the 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 three movies take such a wacky sort of turn. Although, mm-hmm. I guess you could argue that for Rocky, too, where the original Rocky is a very different character from his incarnations later, especially now that he's uh, just a coach. And and you know what, though? I feel that the change in Rocky, more so than Rambo, is earned. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. I want to point out, though, that uh, Cliffhanger standalone didn't need a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Just saying. Okay, so that makes it the stronger, you're saying, makes it the stronger film. Like. Really really going to bat for Cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> That's, you got to respect the love. Uh-huh. Um, to, to be fair, Stallone's writing credits are not nearly as extensive as his uh, acting credits. So yeah. it is tough to pick, but mm-hmm. when it comes down to his most famous roles, it's to his credit that his most famous roles were probably also written and directed for the most part by him. Yeah. 
So that's, mm -hmm. you know, as much as you can mock Sylvester Stallone for doing some interesting things in the latter days. He's very smart. And he was clearly, when, yeah. when you say he wrote 70 scripts before Rocky was saying, I believe that. Yeah. I know people. Yeah, like he's, he's super great. I don't think there's any doubt. Right. Like in Sloan, you know, write us if not to just feel lauded. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I also like Stallone. Thank you. <laughs> it's a fine letter. All right, we'll get into that time. Yeah. All right, yeah, thank you very much for listening. You can find more episodes of our podcast at the lrffpodcast.com. That is live now. Uh, like and subscribe, comment uh, on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And you can write us, as we've been saying, write us. Write us. <laughs> you it can, can write us at joe, J-O-E, at the L-R-F-F podcast.com. The Lurf podcast.com. The good old Lurf. Thanks very much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.